morning, um, I want to talk about our third and, and final uh, core value, and it's about serving. And I can't really stress this enough, as it was being talked about by Angel already in the bus ministry and the importance of a bus ministry and getting, getting her to church. My mom and dad were saved because these bus ministers chased them down literally to the laundry room of the apartment and would not let them go. And my mom and dad actually accepted Jesus because of bus ministry. And then the bus ministry that I was involved uh, with in Arkansas is we would do- knock the doors every Saturday and go to these low housing projects or the uh, low income housing. And we would knock and just talk with families and say, Hey, would you allow your kids to come and, and be a part of our church? And our church actually grew because of this. And I can't talk enough about the joy it was to talk with people in their living room because I was faithful Saturday after Saturday. And they would allow me to talk. And I was in some pretty... Um, different circumstances, but the kids learned to love me, and the parents learned to trust me. And we bust over, I would say, probably a hundred kids every Sunday, and it was phenomenal. And so, part of what we do as Christians, we're here to serve. You know, I remember giving the call out to Josh Kimball and Casey Kimball when I first met them. As a new pastor, you don't do this, but I said, hey guys, I want you to come and serve, but I I want you to serve and not be served. Yeah. Serve and not be served. Okay, I'll get myself back together here. I thought that's what the gospel was about. Am I mistaken? We're here to serve, not to be served. I think we've got it a little bit wrong at times, and I'm not... Please hear my heart. You guys know me well. I come across hard sometimes, but there's always redemption. And then we're going to look at somebody this morning who did that just for us. And he gave the challenge of being a servant in the midst of everything, in the midst of a crazy situation. And I thought about those who have gone before us, and one of the first names that come to my mind is Florence Nightingale. And we know about her. Some would say she's a great woman's right advocate. But I would say she's so much more than that. She's changed the landscape of what we know nursing to be as it is today. And I think, Angel, am I correct? You do a Nightingale pledge. Is that true? Yeah. She doesn't know it, but you do it as a nurse. 
And this is a lady that had taken, had gone from her richness into poverty in order to serve others. Why did she do that? She did that because of Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at her life, and as I began to look at her life, some of her theology was a little bit sketchy. But honestly, I can take sketchy theology if the kingdom is being advanced. It doesn't mean I endorse it. But she chose to leave her riches and to put on rags in order to serve others. And her main reason was she found somebody that was of matchless worth. And it's kind of like the pearl of great price. When you find something that is so worthy, you will be like that man that sold everything in order to get that pearl. And Jesus says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so if you could go with me to John 13 this morning. And as a minister, you always hope that as you sit down and you study and your hope is that it comes out with the same revelation that you feel like God is pouring into you. And you never know. So, Lord Jesus, would You be glorified this morning? And Lord, would You show us Your matchless worth? Because Lord, there is so much that is vying for our attention. So much stuff that isn't worth it. But You are, Lord. So Jesus, would you be glorified this morning as we look at your life and as we look at your example to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. So there's three points that I want to look at this morning. Is that The first is Jesus knew who he was. The second is Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And the third is Jesus our example. And it's funny, every sermon that I could preach, I could use the point, Jesus our example. Because He is our example. He is our status. Now, I get it that we, you know, we can't work for our salvation, and we'll talk about that in the second point. But He is the one we look to. He is the one we aspire to become like. That's what we were created to be. So let's look at the Scripture. John 13. And we'll just do verses 1 through 4. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. And I want to stop and just camp there just for a moment. When I was looking over this text, I was like, what sticks out to me in this text? And there's two prominent things that stick out in these first four verses. First is Jesus knowing. He knew that His hour had come. 
that he would depart out of this world and go to the Father. And in verse 3 it says the same thing. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. And then knowing that the one he would wash the feet of would betray him. Those things stick out to me. I won't steal Pastor Mike's thunder, but we were talking earlier this week and he was talking about Jesus. I told him I was actually going to steal a sermon, so here I go. I said I wouldn't do that to him. Jesus came and we know about the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus was actually put into the state that who he really was And he began to shine and then he came off the mountain and I'll stop there so you can continue on one day. But as Mike was sharing this with me, he was saying Jesus knew who he was. And so we have this point in time and I want to put us right in the center of this scene that Jesus is at the table and he's getting ready to have supper with the disciples And I want you to put yourself there. Jesus knew who he was. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, I'll give you just a second to get there. He says this. Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's interesting, we look at this afterwards, but it's actually explaining the scene that is just taking place right here. And it says this in verse 6 of Philippians 2, it says, He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, and that word grasping utilized or asserted. So he wasn't using his position as God Himself to actually use it to His advantage, but He emptied Himself. He laid aside His privileges, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So we know this King Jesus as we know as Lord. And he He had all power. He could have done anything He wanted. He knew this, but He chose to lay aside His privileges and not to use it to His advantage. And can you imagine? He knew at this point where He had come from and where He was going. And a story that I can relate and maybe you can relate in your life too. 
is that every one of us have a past. Every one of us has some, done some great things in life, haven't we? Some things that can make you proud, right? And probably some things that make you not so proud. But I want to talk about things this morning that make you proud. Such as being a successful businessman or woman. Such as being successful in your job or in life as a parent or whatever. Whoever you are, your education, whatever that is. You have reason to be proud this morning. I want you to think about that this morning. And I remember this. We just got off the mission field. And as we were transitioning, and I probably have shared this story before, but maybe it's for somebody this morning is that I felt like I had something to offer to the body of Christ. I felt like we had served eight years in a Muslim context, hardcore ministry, that I had something to give to the body, the local church in America. And I began to ask God, use the things that I've struggled with for your glory and that I can help others and to teach others. But we got back to the United States plugged into a phenomenal church and we were just like everybody else. That hurt. Why? Because I knew that I just had this awesome experience for the last 10 years of my life. I have been giving my all to Jesus Christ, raising money, going to places where other people will not go. I was proud of what we had done as a family. But I came into a context where things were going pretty good. And I'm like, Jesus, I have something to offer. And so I wanted to jump right into the middle, middle of this great functioning church and say, here I am, listen to me, I have something to offer you. And I remember this very clearly, and it's real to us, is we were not allowed to serve. And I struggled with it. And so I went to my mentor and said, hey, you know, I'm called to pastor. I've had an awesome experience in my past. I want to use it for the glory of God. I have experiences that nobody else has. And I want to use it for His glory. And he said, Jeremy, just be who you are. Let people discover who you are. Don't try to force yourself on others. Just if you're called to be a pastor, people are going to see it around you. Just be yourself. And so what did I do? I laid aside those, those things that I've done that I'm very proud of. I laid them beside just for the moment. And I walked in to nothing. Was it easy? No, it was hard. But now we look back on those two years of our lives and we're like, this nothing could have been better for us to lay everything to the side and just be for a moment. Just be and serve. And we served. We didn't just sit on the pew. When I got saved, I was like, I looked around me like, I'm not going to stay on the pew very long. And I didn't. And that's what this sermon is about, is don't sit on the pew. 
Life is too good. Don't stay there. But I want you to think about Jesus. And I want you to know this, that God is not asking us to throw aside our gifts and abilities. You cannot change the core of who you are. Don't change the core of who you are, especially the redeemed part. The unredeemed, get rid of. Jesus, when He laid aside His garments, He wasn't laying aside His Godhead and who He was But he chose not to use it for his advantage. And if you go to Luke 22, this is why it's so important. I realize you got the scriptures on the screen, but for anybody that likes to turn the Bible, I'll turn with you. Because it would be really sacrilegious if I had my phone up here doing scripture. And before we get into what's going on in the context of this whole scene, Romans 15, 8 and 9 says, Christ became a servant for the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He became a servant. And I can imagine... What Christ was thinking, this is who I am. I know who I am. I came from God. I'm going back to God. And here I'm dealing with these disciples. And here's what he was dealing with. In Luke 22, we see it. It says in verse 24 through 27. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So he lays aside everything at this moment as a teaching moment to teach the disciples what they're they're supposed to do. And so I can almost hear it in Christ. He's saying this. He's almost, I wouldn't say frustrated. Maybe he is frustrated. And he lays it all aside right in the middle of supper. And he does something you're not supposed to do. Can you imagine the President of the United States walking in and at the table and they're sitting down and then all of a sudden he stops and he begins to serve the table. And that's what this is like almost with somebody even bigger and somebody even better. And yet he has this betrayer that he's also going to wash his feet. I wanted to put this statement up here. I don't know how much it makes sense, but it makes sense to me. So if you could go to, you can, I want to say this real quick. You can serve and not truly love those around you. 
but you cannot truly love those around you and not serve them. I thought it sounded smart. Let me say it again. You you can serve and not truly love those around you, but you cannot truly love those around you and not serve them. The point is there's service going on. And Paul encourages us that you can serve without love. It is as a, is as a gong. Now they got the gong show back. It's as a clanging symbol. But if you truly love, you will serve those around you. And can you imagine if Jesus did it for us, should we not do it for one another? So point number two is Jesus stoops down and He washes the feet of the disciples. There's two distinct things that are going on here. And before I read it, I want to say this one statement by F.F. Bruce. He says, verses 5-11 through are theological in character. The foot washing symbolizes, symbolizes Jesus humbling Himself to endure the death of the cross and the cleansing effect of His death for the believer. Verses 12-17 through 17 is, a pract- is practical in character. Jesus has washed their feet in order that from the- His example they may learn to perform similar service one for another. And so in light of that, let's look at the Scripture. So Jesus, taking, laying His garments to the side, He takes up a towel, He girds Himself... Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one, there he goes, he knew everything. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. And I want you to know this morning. We all know this. If you're familiar with the story, if you've been in church long enough. That the one in charge did not wash the feet. Of anyone. That was a servant's job. Not only is it so bad, it, it, the Jews wouldn't even let another Jew wash feet per se because it was below themselves. And yet here is Jesus stopping everything and he begins to wash their feet. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples at this time to say, What is he doing? This is the King of Kings, this is the Lord of Lords. Not that they had that perfect revelation, I don't think yet. 
They were getting it. Why is he doing this? I can just imagine. As many of us do, and we ask questions like, why is this person doing this? And you're thanking it, but you're not saying it. And that's what the disciples were doing, but there was one that was brave enough to say, Lord, what are you doing? And it was Peter. And so Peter is asking what everybody else wanted to ask. Say, Lord, you cannot do this. This is below you. And Jesus says, hey, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. And then Peter, smart Peter, says, okay, Lord, then wash me all. Wash all of me. And Jesus is using this as as a very point to say something. Peter, you are already clean. I have declared you clean. It kind of goes back to John 15 when he says that he prunes and then he tells the disciples, but you are already clean. You are pruned. And he's declaring them clean. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus declares you as clean and righteous if you have come to him. There is nothing that you can do to earn His salvation. There is nothing you can do to earn His grace and His mercy. You see, the only thing that you need to do is realize that you are a sinner. That you need God to forgive you. And that He actually died on the cross for the sins of the world and was buried on the third day and rose again. He defeated the grave on our behalf. He declares us as clean. And it doesn't mean that we don't sin. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. And we've talked about this through the book of 1 John chapter 2 says, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. See, Jesus has washed us clean once and for all. But we also make mistakes. And when we do make mistakes, we have an advocate. One who stands on our behalf to forgive us of our sins. So listen. Know who you are. You are a child of God. If you have given your life to Jesus, you are in. There is no getting out. We sung the songs. We are written on the palm of God's hands and no one can snatch us from His hands no matter what comes in life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So you are a child of the King. But I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to take back everything and take it off and to serve one another because out of you being a child of God? Not to be a child of God, but because you are a child of God. And we'll go on to point three, Jesus our example. And it's verse 12, it says this, I'll go through verse 17. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments 
and reclined at the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. I want to just stop there just for a moment. He is saying that this is right, that I am teacher, and the word teacher here is rabbi, and it can be translated to master. I am your master. You call me your master and Lord. And you are right. See, he's not laying down who he truly is. We're not asking you to lay down who you truly are. Actually, this morning, I'm asking you to who you truly are to use it to advance the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? God has given you a gift and we need to use it to advance His kingdom. And I'm not asking you to be subservient. And then it goes on and says... If I then, the Lord, Master, and Teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if, you are blessed if you do them. And then in 1 Peter 2.21, you don't have to go there. It talks about Jesus, the suffering servant, and it says he left us an example. And in context, it's talking about suffering, but in real context for me, it's also talking about Him being our ultimate example. If Jesus said, do it, we better do it. And in Luke 6, 46, in Matthew 7, 21, it says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? I am your Lord if you do the will of the Father. So this morning I want to encourage us not to give up doing good. Don't grow weary. There is so much more I could get into in this subject. And maybe I will have a part two because this is really hard, isn't it? To talk about core values. These core values that we've chosen to be a learner. To be in authentic relationships with God and others. And to be a servant. These are lifelong calls. So to try to explain explain it in 30 minutes or 35. It is almost impossible. But I want to encourage you. Not to give up. Doing good. And I promise you this morning, I am preaching to the choir. Because I know you, church. You guys have done a great job at serving. But I don't want us to grow weary. There's so much more for us to do. People's lives depend on it. So if the worship team could come forward...
I want to do really one thing this morning. As they lead us in a worship song and we'll sing together the song. And I want us to thank this morning. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, come to know Him. Call out to Him. And I promise you, He will be there. And the second point is, I want us to think about what gifts and talents God has given us. And that we would use them for His glory. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to worship together. And then after we do this song, I want to ask you, and I'll ask again, but I want you to be thinking about it. I want to ask anyone who wants prayer to come forward in regards to God using your gifts and His talents for His glory. All I want to do is just pray the Holy Spirit would empower you and give you opportunities to advance His kingdom. So we'll worship together and then I'll have a time of calling us forward. So this morning, I want us to exercise our faith a little bit. I want us to kind of get a little bit strong and a little bit different. I want you to join me this morning and if you desire not to going to put you in an awkward spot, but if you desire not to stay in your pew, and if you desire to be used by the Lord, and He may be already using you, and I get that, but if you desire God to use your gifts and your talents to really advance His kingdom more, I'd like you to ask you to come. And don't stay. Exercise your faith. And I'm going to pray over everyone anyway, but I want to ask you to come. Think of your gifts and your talents. And join me because, see, I'm here to serve and not to be served. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to come and to serve and not to be served. And then I'm going to pray over this. You can come forward. I know it's different. It's not something we always do. But we're acting and we're exercising our faith this morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to honor our faith. And to honor this glory that lives inside of us. The kingdom of God and Jesus himself. That he would give us effectiveness to everyone that we reach. Whether it's big or small. Whether it's washing the feet. Or doing something huge. It doesn't matter. Father I thank you Lord Jesus we want to exercise our faith God and I thank you that we desire to be used by you for you and for your glory and Father as I started this message I'm just shocked and and I can't help it Lord but What's happened to us, Lord, of not wanting to serve? But Lord, I pray for my brother or sister that maybe they feel scared to serve or they don't know how to serve. Lord, and I pray and just ask you that, ask you, that you would give them boldness by the power of your Spirit. 
to walk out and to actually just kind of shred everything, shed everything off and to serve you, Jesus. Because your word says when we do it to the least of these, we are doing it unto you. And so Holy Spirit, would you come upon everyone here as we have exercised in our faith and just say, Lord, we want to be used by you. We don't know how, but we know that you have given us gifts and we know that you have given us experiences in life to be used for your glory. And Lord, we also realize in the midst of our serving that we have been hurt. Jesus, you were betrayed by the very one that you washed his feet. So Lord, we don't care if we're betrayed today or tomorrow or in the past. We don't care. We we ask that you would heal that wound, but we don't care because we want our acts of worship and our acts of service to be done for you and you alone. So Lord, I pray for opportunities this coming week, months, and years to serve. Remind us that we are here to serve and not be served. We thank you for your grace that gives us the power to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray.